Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Our country vowed to never forget 21 years ago, but those words require action. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has over 80 runs, walks, and climbs across America every year, plus dozens of more golf outings and barbecues you can be part of. There are so many ways that you can take action. Register for an event in your area or volunteer to start one. Do good and never forget by donating $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. What is going on, Billy Up Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Angels, here with another edition of FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports' biggest issues. Today, we have a very special guest coming on to discuss a looming, hot-button NBA topic. But first, let's hit some gold stars and detentions. First gold star is going in a losing effort to Benai Jelani. Uh, Benai Jelani plays for the New York Liberty. For her playoff game and a single elimination playoff game, the New York Liberty did fall to the Phoenix Mercury should probably mention the Phoenix Mercury is on out of the single elimination game uh, stage of the WNBA playoffs after beating the Seattle Storm on Sunday. So Phoenix is obviously pretty good. But Benigelani had a phenomenal game, including a walk-up, pull-up three. Uh, I don't know why. We could talk about the tension for why was Phoenix in drop coverage there. But Laney hits a big-time three in that game. Laney had a big-time season all year. And frankly, as a woman that is not the face of the franchise in the way that Sabrina Ionescu is, we need to make sure we're giving her her flowers as well. 
second gold star goes to Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker on Sunday hit a game-winning field goal as the Baltimore Ravens took out the Detroit Lions. Yes, the Baltimore Ravens that beat the Kansas City Chiefs a week ago did need a last-second field goal to beat the Detroit Lions. That field goal was 66 yards long. That is the NFL record for the longest field goal hit in an NFL game. Shout out to Justin Tucker, one of Texas' finest, I should say, Justin Tucker for the NFL record. Third and final gold star goes to J.J. Redick on quite a career as he announced his retirement this week. Redick has scored 12,000 points in the NBA. He has hit almost 2,000 three-pointers. He is a career 37% three-point shooter, and he made a career as a 6-3 shooting guard that did nothing else but run off screens and shoot threes, and he did it that well. Most people probably remember J.J. Redick from his Duke days. The consensus National College Player of the Year in 2006 also won a handful of Rupp trophies, also was a first-team All-American a pair of seasons, also was the ACC Player of the Year a couple times, also was the ACC Tournament MVP a couple times, had his number retired at Duke, and he was that guy. Any stat or anything about J.J. Redick is obviously very impressive, but what I think J.J. Redick means to most people that watched him play at Duke was he was the embodiment of why everyone hated Duke, and he seemed to revel in it. He had this like aura about him where he wanted the country to hate him. He wanted the country to hate Duke, and he wanted to stick it to you because of that. So shout out to J.J. Redick for a career because, frankly, it's more fun when your villains know they're villains and enjoy playing the villain. Obviously, J.J. Redick has had a brilliant, long NBA career, one that I don't think many people thought might have lasted that long given his size, but obviously every team will always need shooting. And good luck to J.J. Redick on his next venture. The Old Man of the Three podcast is a fun, fun listen if you're listening to the bigger podcast on the NBA. Always has some interesting backstories to take home from that. So I'm sure J.J. Redick is going to have a successful second and third act to his professional career. And if not, as he mentioned in his retirement video, he's looking most forward to being a dad, and I'm sure he's going to have a great time with that also. Uh, Detention to everyone on Twitter that decided since Texas can't win a game against the SEC competition of Arkansas that they shouldn't be going to the SEC, but has not said anything about the fact that A&M also lost to Arkansas. I think what we're about to see is that Arkansas is perhaps better than people realize, that they're just mauling people up front and running over people. But this whole host of Twitter mostly from the state of Texas, decided to really try and stick it to Texas when Texas lost to Arkansas about a week ago when I'm recording this and has not said anything about the fact that A&M lost as well, even though Arkansas's quarterback was hurt in that game. I just have to say that I'd like some consistency there. If you don't think Texas should be in the SEC because they can't beat Arkansas, that's fine. Let's also mentally kick out A&M, right? Because, frankly... A&M had a decade of irrelevance in the Big 12, once the SEC has had a good time. Texas has had kind of a decade of irrelevance in the Big 12. Head to the SEC soon. Let's see if we have a good time, right? Let it play out. As we're handing out detention to really what feels like a bunch of people here, let's hand it mostly to the Blue Jays for being upset over this entire cheat sheet scandal, right? Their game sheet. So for those that don't know the story, the Rays center fielder, Kevin Kiermaier, slid into home plate and 
found a card that fell out of the Toronto Blue Jays catcher's Alejandro Kirk's pocket. That card has their game plan and how they're going to shift and what they're going to pitch and those kinds of things to different players. And instead of returning the card, because apparently we want all of our athletes to be good Samaritans, he kept that card to then go back to his dugout and share with his team. The Blue Jays were really, really upset, end up plunking Kiermaier afterwards because he's found this card. And here's my big takeaway on this. This detention goes to Blue Jays because if you don't want someone else to find a game plan like that, maybe don't bring it onto the field. And certainly don't have it be the kind of thing that can just be easily deciphered as it, after it falls after someone's pocket. This feels like the Blue Jays were being really short-sighted in how they prepared for these kinds of things and are really upset that someone caught it, right? Because frankly, any there's all kinds of trash on baseball and football fields throughout the year, right? You always see some sort of a, you know leaves falling there or towels falling there on a football field or whatever the case may be, and players pick it up. And if a player picks that up and that says, hey, they're going to always go, you know, opening fastball on these three pitchers or, or always going to shift it on these, you know, these situations or whatever, that's valuable information that they're going to then use. You can't expect someone to just pick that up and hand it back. I'm going to attention to the Blue Jays here. I could also go down the route of everyone that's okay with the Blue Jays doing it, but thought I was crazy for being okay about the Astros thing. We could get in a whole, whole other topic, but that's not for today. Here's what is for today. We're still going to talk some about Houston sports, actually, even if it's not the Astros. We are joined by Apollo Houston Media's own Taylor Pate. Taylor is one of the people on their Rockets team because it looks like there's a potential large trade that could shift up the NBA in the Houston Rockets' future. Feels like we're doing this every offseason with the Houston Rockets, so it's time to talk to Taylor about what the Rockets are doing, and what is going on in the NBA. All right. So this week, FN Sports is joined by Taylor Pate. Taylor Pate joins us from Apollo Houston Media. He's an Apollo Houston podcaster and content machine with the Launchpad and other Rockets. I'll just broadly say content. Lots of stuff coming out from Apollo Houston Media. I want to also say that he's a professional gifter, like (laughs) professionally makes gifts (laughs) all over the internet with all of the Eric Gordon and other Rockets faces. But perhaps the most famous face is through Twitter and TMZ. Taylor, you've become famous for a Russell Westbrook tattoo. What's the story there? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, So, um, so prior to Russell Westbrook being traded to the Rockets, um, I, I tweeted because I thought it was such an asinine idea that, um, that, that Russell Westbrook could actually wind up in Houston, that if he did, I would get uh, his MVP season box score tattooed on my face. Um, and then he did. And, and then Twitter found the tweet and blew it up. And um, I wound up on ESPN radio and Sports Illustrated's Instagram and just all these places with, you know, Rockets blogger uh, promises to get tattoo of Russell Westbrook's box score. And <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. <laughs> so I've got to ask, is the tattoo hidden under some facial hair or, uh, you know, where a hat would go or, or anything like that? Or <laughs> No, so, so I actually used my better judgment and I did not get the tattoo. Um, and it, I'm actually really glad that I didn't you know, now in hindsight with him having only been here for one season, um, it really would not have been worth it. Now, I mean, if he would have finished out his career here, maybe then, you know, okay, great. Like that's fine. But I think I dodged a bullet. 
<laughs> well, for folks who don't remember, there was so much animosity in 2017 with the MVP and Houston fans and Westbrook fans and Harden fans and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm sure there were lots of tweets on Twitter about crazy things, but yours blowing up was certainly one of the funnier highlights of that whole saga. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and it, what, what was so crazy about it is like, the light speed at which everyone had to change gears for Russell Westbrook. Like we, (laughs) okay, well we hate this guy. Well, now he's on our team. So we're going to have to support this guy. What do we do? (laughs) Well, and then just like that, he's gone. It was not long. Like you said, it was not a long lived experience for Rockets fans. It worked out. (laughs) You said that you said it worked out. It worked out. Um, Speaking of all-stars coming in out of Houston, we're here because we have a thesis over another big all-star name who has been tied to Houston, and he's kind of similarly to Russell Westbrook, a controversial figure. Are you ready to grade some theses today, Taylor? I am absolutely ready. (laughs) All right. The thesis reads, the Houston Rockets need to find a way to trade John Wall for Ben Simmons. You hear that? And what's your grade, Taylor? I am going to give that a B. Ooh, a B. Interesting. I'm probably lower at like a C myself. Let's think about it for a second. All right, Taylor. So you gave this thesis a B, which if I'm being frank, I think is on the high end of what like Rockets Twitter would be saying right now. Um, Talk us through what your reasoning. Why do the Rockets need to find a way to trade John Wall for Ben Simmons? So my thinking here is um, you've got a... You've got a liability um, in John Wall's contract. Uh, not easy to trade. He's making ninety-one million dollars over the next two years, and he is, you know, by all accounts, kind of um, trying to reestablish himself and, and get himself back into like that all-star form. Um, and we did see like like flashes of that last season, but ultimately, obviously, the two sides have come together and said, "Hey, look, we know this isn't a, like a, a marriage that's going to work out for." For either of us so it's better off if we you know separate and if i'm being completely honest no matter how uh, much damaged goods ben simmons might be i think there is a better chance at extracting positive value from him you know going forward than there is from the john wall contract so the reason that i'd say that it that the Rockets should find a way to do that is because i think that they can get um even if even if Ben Simmons didn't stay here long term and it didn't work out well. If he came in and played well for a year, they could turn around and flip him for more positive assets or draft capital or whatever. And his, his contract is uh, quite a bit easier to swallow um, than, than the 91 million left on uh, John Walls. Yeah. And so you're looking at this financially speaking, is how I'm taking it, right? Like the, the asset that is Ben Simmons, because He's getting $33 million next year. He's got four years left on his deal. But you're thinking Houston can be kind of a rehabilitation project for what's kind of become a damaged image. Yeah, exactly. And, like, here's the thing. Ben Simmons is an extraordinary talent. He's a 6'10", like, guard-forward combination um, who can, you know, pass and rebound and is all defense uh, or all defensive capabilities and – you just don't find this much talent in a guy very often, especially uh, like as a disgruntled um, star player for another team who's trying to get out. And so um, all of those things come together to me to say, you know, 
the fit may not be perfect with the Rockets. It it might, you know, not even be where he would want to be, but as a stepping stone, um, I think it's, it's more than a, a, a suitable enough marriage for both sides to be able to get him to a, another destination past here. Well, and so you're saying the on the floor, because I think we can both break down the on the floor flaws in the second with the way Houston's currently constructed, but you don't weigh those very heavily, it sounds like, because you think that he'd be on his way out fairly quickly. Frankly, not unlike we talked about Russell Westbrook earlier, right? Like a one year out kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and kind of the same vein as Victor Oladipo, right? Like they knew when bringing Vic, Victor Oladipo in that, you know, hey, we're going to we're going to courtesy offer you this extension, but we're not, you know, like we, we don't really see this being like a long term engagement. Um, and I think the same thing could be said, you know, for for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is currently, like I said, making thirty three million dollars a year. Obviously, that's significantly less than the ninety one over the next two years that John Wall is making. What kind of auxiliary pieces? Because you did say B, so it doesn't sound like you're going to sell all out to make this happen. Um, what kind of auxiliary pieces do you think have to get thrown in here to make this happen? So probably draft capital from the Rocket side. Um, and the only way that I'm comfortable doing a deal um, like this is not including any of the Rockets' own picks. Um, I, I would say... Uh, Anything from Brooklyn over the next three years is fine, um, given the fact that you know Kevin Durant uh, has signed an extension and, and it's looking like James Harden and Kyrie Irving are signing extensions as well. Um, you know those are going to be like late, late first round picks, and it's not a huge deal. Um, so I think anything that's not their own draft capital for the next few years is absolutely fine. Um, and, and I'd even say two of those. And so Brooklyn picks, but not like far future, like near future Brooklyn picks. Um, it, and because of the money difference, uh, it, you do have to theoretically get something. It can't just be Ben. It can't just be Ben for Wallen picks in theory. What else would Philly need to tie in to make this work? Um, frankly, what would you want them to throw in? And then what would be a more realistic shot? Yeah. So, I mean, I think ideally um, it would be great to be able to get like a a Tyrese Maxey or something like that. But that, you know, he's a, he's in my opinion, probably everyone else is a positive asset that would, you know, require more um, on the Rockets side of things. Um, More than likely you're looking at some sort of uh, salary filler, Um, you know, probably nothing extravagant and, maybe even somebody that winds up getting bought out or something like that. Um, I think they probably want to keep Seth Curry. I know they would, from, from what I hear, they would like to move on from Tobias Harris's deal. Um, But that would be a huge, huge, um, you know, that would, that would have to wind up being like a three team or four team trade um, to get that kind of thing to happen. Um, You know, Tobias is making, uh, nearly as much, if not more, than Ben Simmons. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think that that's that's certainly another contract that they would want to get off of. Yeah, it, I've got down that Harris is making almost thirty six million. At that point, you're talking about like, do you also throw if you're throwing out the old guard in Houston? Do you throw like Eric Gordon into this and really get a bunch of teams involved? Um, and I I kind of do want to segue there because let's keep talking about off the floor and then let's get to on the floor afterwards. Um, you know, John Wall is not the only 
older guy in Houston. He's certainly one of the, you know, more beaten down veterans as far as his injury luck has been. And it does look like, obviously, the report came out a couple weeks ago. He's not going to play a game. There are also talks about, like, not having a buyout situation. He's He is reporting to training camp, supposedly, right? And he is a mentoring role, in a mentoring role. Do, are there any of these other old guys, Gordon or Denwell House or, uh, frankly, even a guy like... DJ Augustine. Yeah, Augustine's a Houstonian. It feels weird to throw him in, right? Like, right. Um, I could see him wanting to be a bench guy here versus being a bench guy elsewhere. But do you throw in more older folks into this and try and get them all out of town? Or do you need some of those veterans around? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I'm probably pretty on the fence. Um, either way, I, I greatly appreciate John Wall's commitment to, um, like being a stand up guy and, you know, mentoring while he's here and, and like, agreeing to sit and not, not make a big deal about anything. Um, I think that's all, you know, from the time that, that John Wall has arrived in Houston, he has been nothing but a class act and shown that he is willing to like do whatever the organization needs him to do. Um, but beyond that, I think um, Eric Gordon is, Eric Gordon's an, a really interesting piece for the Rockets because he seems to be happy in Houston. Um he doesn't seem overly concerned with, you know, getting to a contender or anything like that. Um, but at the same time, I don't think he would be, you know, opposed to to joining a team like like Philly. You know, he's got um, familiar faces in the front office and could really, really help impact um, a, a team that's like, you know, probably right there as far as title contention goes. Um, I think that would be a welcome change for him as well as far as his mentorship and, and all that kind of stuff, I really think Eric Gordon is pretty underrated at this point in his career, despite the, you know, the fairly large contract, I guess. Um, but, but I mean, you're talking about a guy who's a volume shooter from deep, who's a, a like more than a plus defender um, and, and is also capable of, of getting to the goal and, and um, like, like making, uh, making the right pass. Um so I think that if if the Rockets are going to go the route of kind of draining all of their veteran talent, um, you could kind of wind up with bad habits or um, like this defeatist attitude of, you know, we're just going to be losing games and, and, you know, we're just kind of throwing stuff out there and seeing, seeing what sticks. Um, and I feel like, I feel like the Rockets, the front office especially, they're really, they're really in tune with um, kind of where their guys' heads are at and and wanting to provide them with a positive workplace and like being able to to not have them go through like that twenty game losing streak like last season. Um, they don't want that kind of attitude being around these guys. So I do think that there's definitely value in keeping guys like Eric Gordon around. Um, and yeah, I mean, DJ Augustine's a Houston guy and he's not on a very expensive contract. If you're not getting like some sort of nice offer, it doesn't really hurt you to keep him around. So, uh, I'm all for it. Well, and it's interesting. Like I think of the perfect fit of Aaron Gordon, Eric Gordon in Philly, right? Where you have him and Seth Curry spacing the floor in a way that 
just opens up so much because Joel likes to play outside probably too much, right? And whatever they get back for Ben Simmons, you think has to be some sort of a creator. In this instance, if it were John Wall, right, that's another guy attacking the basket. So Gordon's pulling guys out, out from the paint on that. I, I do think it's interesting that this is happening with Philly because like te- the Houston has been this like very strong franchise for the last basically decade. And about a decade ago, we were talking about Philly losing on purpose, right? Like, like, like there's this weird, like, we're switching who's building and who's trying to win right now. Right. Aspect and, here. And there's so much overlap between like these two franchises as far as like front office pieces go. It's such a strange transition. You know, you go from from Hinky uh, and the process to kind of this period of them building assets and asset accumulation and all that kind of stuff to now having Daryl Morey in Sam Hinkie's place. And, and, but now he's also trying to get rid of some of the star talent from the tanking process. It's just a wild, like, like series of events that's led us to this. And then not even to mention the fact that James Harden and Ben Simmons were nearly traded for each other um, at the beginning of last season. <laughs> well, and, and that swap has to be where part of this, if we're going back to Ben Simmons on, it has to be part where part of this like rehabilitation for Simmons goes because Philadelphia at the time that was back like mid January, right? I think it was like the 13th and the 12th or somewhere in that area. Ben Simmons at the time was the kind of guy that Philly did not feel like they needed to attach a lot to, to swap for James Harden, right? Like they thought that they were close enough in comparison that a disgruntled Harden was a fair swap. Um, without like throwing in a maxi and some picks or whatnot, right? Or that the reports always indicate, right, that that was the trade turned down was that Philly didn't want to add a bunch in. And so Harden's, um, you know, top two in MVP voting four to five years, scoring champ here, scoring like we can, we know those accolades. Um, now we're talking about an old John Wall. <laughs> so on the floor, we talked a lot about money and, and assets on the floor. Let's talk Ben Simmons and what holes do you see there if he were to come in? I mean, you're a big Rockets guy, not just not just in that you cover them. You're a big fan, right? And so what kinds of holes do you see in bringing Ben Simmons into the current Rockets roster? Yeah, so I think Ben Simmons is a he's a kind of difficult piece to just throw in somewhere like you have some guys that are just like you can take this player and put him on any team and he'll be successful like Robert Covington like it doesn't matter like he's a three and D dude like you can put him on whatever team and he can do you know three and D but Ben Simmons is thus far in his career a guy who has the ball in his hands all the time um and and he's a guy who's initiating plays and he's playing from the from the guard position um and I think coming here, you know, you've got the uh, amount of time and effort thus far that's been um, put into developing Kevin Porter Jr.'s playmaking skills, kind of propping him up to be one of the franchise pieces moving forward. You've just draft, uh, drafted J- Jalen Green, who also with the G League uh, Ignite was flashing a lot of playmaking potential, and they've they've made it a big point that they want him to be Um, kind of that secondary playmaker and then you've got like Christian Wood who is kind of like a budding you know like like scoring big man who who really kind of came out of nowhere and is a little bit surprising you've got Jay Sean Tate who's kind of like a poor man's Ben Simmons but not 6'10 like he he does like just a little bit of everything can't he's somewhere 
He's somewhere between the poor man's Ben Simmons and the poor man's PJ Tucker, right? He's somewhere in those molds of like positionless tough guys. Yeah, exactly. And and so so I do think that you know you bring Ben Simmons in if there's an understanding between he and the organization that um, hey, this isn't necessarily a lo- necessarily a long term marriage, um, then maybe that eases some of that like on court stuff. But I do think that there would certainly be an adjustment period where a guy like Kevin Porter Jr. is going to have to like give up the reins a little bit. Um, and and because if, if the Rockets are trying to extract positive value from this contract, they're going to need him to play well. Um, you know, he, he can't be coming in playing like a Draymond Green role um, where he's going to score like, you know, like seven points a game. Right. That's not what another team is going to going to look for. Otherwise, they'd be doing it right now. They'd be trading for him right now. And so I think there would be quite a bit of pressure on Steven Silas to to kind of find a fit. Um, that being said, I do think that the front court of Ben Simmons and Christian Wood could be really dynamic um, and kind of offer a lot of uh, versatility. Um, and I, I certainly think that the on-court stuff could work. It just really comes down to like kind of egos and attitudes and stuff like that. Well, and they would offer. So if you if you got if the trade went through, you got Simmons. I'm assuming he starts in place of like Tice, right? Like he comes in and fills in that like four or five role as opposed to taking out Green or Porter Jr. Because you've like you said you've invested time and frankly a number two draft pick in your backcourt. So you're going to put Ben Simmons in the front court, right? Yeah, and and that's kind of the that's kind of the the thing right like is is ben simmons willing to change positions and play from the four position well and defensively i think you're you're spot on like i see exactly what you're talking about with like wood and simmons and frankly even Tate the three you're like all switchable all the time guard all the positions and, and simmons is a defensive player of the year candidate right i guess he hadn't won it yet but he's also young and he's already been a candidate multiple years um he's all first team defensive player i I feel like as I look at Simmons, that all makes sense. It's on offense. It's like if he's not driving creation, he's kind of just a dunker spot big. Is is that am I missing something there? That's all he could really do. So the only thing that I've been able to come up with, uh, and and I'm not a coach, I'm not an X's and O's guy, but the only thing that I've been able to come up with is kind of using him the way that Denver is using Aaron Gordon um, as kind of this this ancillary like like third third pass in the possession type of of big um, where you can put ben simmons's like ability to get to the basket like to to good use but also have him be able to like like flash middle and hit a hit a, a lob to christian wood or like like i said i'm not an x's and o's guy but that kind of stuff where you have him kind of uh, maybe catching that initial pass and then making that that secondary play um and and that more than likely would take a little bit of playmaking like out of his hands like he's not going to be necessarily that primary guy um and and so like the numbers might not be quite as flashy or anything like that but I think doing that opens up a lot for his individual scoring as well. And so it really, like I said, it really depends on Ben Simmons's attitude and, and like ability to, um, I guess, change roles a little bit. Yeah. And being a pass first for, you know, I think most people jump to Draymond because Draymond will be future hall of famer that is doing that right with the, the dynasty, the last half decade. Right. But you bring up like his game, frankly, 
has more muscle to it, more like what you're saying with Aaron Gordon. Um, I I think that's an interesting comparison because so much of what he's had success with in Philadelphia, he's crossing the half court line with the ball in his hands, right? And you're saying that they'd figure the coach would have to figure out some sort of way, right? That's up to Silas, but to get him involved in playmaking, but still let Green or Porter Jr. or whomever bring the ball across the floor. Yeah, for sure. And I, I I think that there's a lot of there's there's a lot of leeway there because we did see a lot of possessions last year where Christian Wood was bringing the ball up the floor and like you can run two like double screens at the top of the key and stuff like that. Like there's stuff that you can do with with Ben Simmons having the ball in his hand too. Uh, and Steven Silas likes two big sets, you know, and, and so that's like that is a good thing. Yeah, I just I don't know how how much in this offense he would be bringing the ball up the court himself. We've talked on the floor. We've talked off the floor with money. In the last bit here, can we talk about, he has said repeatedly, and he apparently locked himself in Los Angeles and said, don't send any Sixers out to talk to me. We're all third coast people here. He wants to be a West Coast guy, right? He wants to be out there in the LA's or San Fran. I guess he didn't mention Portland, but people have talked Portland. Do you have any concern as a fan or analyst about him coming to Houston with everyone kind of understanding, oh, this is short-lived or, oh, he doesn't really want to be here or, or anything like that? Yeah, no, I, I do have concern. Um, and that's that's what makes the the grade go from, a from you know, maybe potentially an A to a B um, is because all of that really depends on um, Rafael Stone and, and Steven Silas and the front office being able to sit down and have this conversation with, with, you know, Ben and say like, look, if this isn't where you want to be long-term and if this isn't going to be like, you know, uh, the, like the, if Houston isn't your final uh, destination, then like we need to figure something out that, that's beneficial for both sides. And I uh, like, that would be a big, big prere- prerequisite for me. Well, and so, you don't actually want Ben Simmons to play his the next four years of his contract in Houston doesn't sound like. You just see the value in Simmons versus Wall. And I, I got to say, is this the kind of thing that we want to pull the trigger on Like as camp is starting? Because camp starts this week for a lot of franchises, right? Like with camp starting, we want to pull this right now. Do you like give Wall a month or two as your assistant coach? Like, Are you calling Philadelphia tomorrow to make this happen? I think if if the call came through tomorrow... I I feel like the Rockets would be remiss to say no. Um, like it, it, I think I think you you get it done and then you figure it out um, because Philly's obviously had its struggles thus far um, with with kind of finding a trade partner. Obviously, but the further you get into a season, like if a team starts getting desperate, if something starts happening where you know maybe this team is. Um, not quite playing as well as they had hoped or something like that, then they all of a sudden become willing to give up, you know, more assets um, and driving up the price. So, so I do think that if you can get it done, you know, sooner rather than later, then you do that. Last question, I guess for you, Taylor, and this is really the fan in me, right? People listen to the show know that I'm a Rockets guy. And so I was excited to have you on. Um, Why are we always the team that's swapping stars? It feels like you can't buy a jersey. Even James Harden's gone very quickly and suddenly, like, I feel like whether it's we had Dwight and we had Chris, then we had Russ, we've had James, uh, we had, you know, like, 
yeah, it was a nine year experiment because the injuries and stuff like injuries, just injuries and people coming in and out seems to just happen with the Rockets. Why have we been like the centerpiece for all these stuff? We almost got Aldridge. We almost got Bosch. Like we're, we're in all these talks all the time. It feels like. I think so much of that revolves around Daryl Morey's like hyper fixation um, in, in like the early to mid James Harden years of like getting all the star accumulation that he could. And so he was just in every single star that came available, you know, to acquire them no matter what the cost. And then I think towards the end of his time in Houston, I think what happened is, you know, you've got this window and like, we don't know necessarily what was going on, you know, behind closed doors, but I'm sure there was a sense of desperation. Like, like we have to like make James happy. We've got to figure out what to do. And so that leads to this revolving point guard door of like Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, John Wall, you know, and now who knows Ben Simmons maybe. And what a wild like series of, of four years that could be. And it's like this, this carousel of, of guys just, you know, coming in in, in the same contract position. It's just, yeah, I think so much of it comes from, you know, early on Daryl Morey just, he was determined to get somebody to pair with James and he didn't know who, but everyone, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> everyone, <laughs> whoever. Um, and, and so, and so then you, you like, you, you get towards the end of, of this, this, um, this really like nice, really good run for the Rockets and Daryl Morey and James Harden. And it starts to get ugly. And that's like, when you start to see like when a franchise starts to go from playoff contender to rebuilding to like, like borderline tanking, like you're going to start to see some of those guys just start to rotate in and out and in and out. And you're going to pick up some bad contracts along the way. Completely. You say borderline tanking, you know, Wall called it a season pretty early, and Wood. Wood I'm mean, not saying Wood's injury wasn't serious, but he definitely took a long time to come back. Like it certainly felt like we're like, oh, if we just got the top four pick and we end up getting them two overall pick, it won't be so bad, right? That that certainly kicked in at some point. Yeah, absolutely. It. Uh, it. I think you know the losing streak certainly uh, took its toll on guys, and I don't think anybody really, you know, was trying to lose games. I think um, once the health bug started to uh to rear its head i think everybody around was just kind of like all right it's not our year like we just we got to stop and and just just you know take our lashes completely and again organizations tank not players the players on the floor are obviously playing as hard they, they want to win they have incentives and frankly if they even if they went out of this you know dumpster fire of a losing season they got to play well to get to the next place it's not it's not players that are doing that it's definitely teams um, it's just was interesting to watch uh taylor Obviously, you're going to be covering the Rockets all year long. Frankly, this trade, it feels like could just we're just going to wake up one morning and have a Woj bomb for the middle of the night. Um, where can people find you and your stuff at to keep up with this kind of story? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Taylor L. Pate. Um, and then you can also find my shirt designs and my uh, blogs and stuff like that on apollohou.com. Apollo HOU. It's, if you are at all interested in Houston sports, they've got your Astros, the Houston Cougars. Uh, Taylor's got the Rockets. They're dabbling in the Houston Texans football team, which frankly is kind of what the Houston Texans football team is doing too. They're doing a little bit of dabbling in football. <laughs> like. um, but fun gear, uh, all kinds of fun stuff for Houston sports fans. So be sure to check, check out ApolloHOU.com. And Taylor L. Pate on Twitter. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Taylor. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we, we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, <laughs> but it'll keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Friends, that is another edition of FN Sports. Feel like you're all caught up on the latest in the NBA or at least the Houston Rockets? Maybe, kind of, sort of. If you enjoyed the Hoops Talk, you're in luck. We have another episode of the Midweek Midrange this Wednesday night. Find the Midweek Midrange on YouTube or on Instagram and Twitter at Midweek Midrange. The show is live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern and is all hoops all the time. Again, that is at Midweek Midrange on Instagram and Twitter. And look us up on YouTube, the Midweek Midrange. As for me and my personal stuff, which includes podcasting, writing, general nonsense, all of that kind of stuff, the occasional L, okay, let's be honest, mostly L's on sneakers, that all can be found at Painsworth 512 on Twitter and Instagram. That's at P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H 512 on Twitter and Instagram for me and my personal stuff. This show also has a Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, we're at FNSports2. That's at F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S number two, all one word. On Instagram, we're at F underscore N underscore sports. That's at F underscore N underscore sports. And if you go to those links, we have merch. Use the links in our bios from our various social medias to find your way to our merch store. We have one student design t-shirt, a couple of classics with the banners and the normal logos, and we have one special edition breast cancer awareness t-shirt the proceeds from that one are all heading to breast cancer research foundation so grab a shirt or four a mug and let people know that you are not one to flunk with be sure to like subscribe rate review and do all the wonderful things that help out the podcast and whatever you do please remember don't flunk with us later guys Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. 
Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors.